Welcome to the Thriving Authors Podcast, where we delve into all aspects of what it takes to get your dream book out of your heart, onto the page, and into the world, connecting with a wide audience of readers. I'm Dallas, and I don't just want you to be a published author. I want you to be a thriving author, confidently sharing your ideas, making an impact with your words, and owning your unique voice that deserves to be heard. I've spent the past two decades immersed in the publishing industry, building my career as a best-selling author of five books and counting. As a book coach, I have helped dozens of women birth their books and live their dreams. And here's what I know to be true. You deserve abundant creativity, a nurturing writing practice, and a supportive community that inspires and uplifts you through the ups and downs of the writing life. I want to help you write and publish your dream books that grow your audience, grow your business, and grow your legacy. On this podcast, you will find behind-the-scenes lessons from my own book writing and publishing journey interviews with successful published authors, and tips and advice you can start using today to move you forward in your writing life. You don't have to do this alone. Let's get started. Maggie Knox is the pen name for best-selling Canadian writing duo Karma Brown and Marissa Stapley. Brown is an award-winning journalist and best-selling author of five novels, including the number one national bestseller, Recipe for a Perfect Wife, as well as the nonfiction bestseller, The 4% Fix, How One Hour Can Change Your Life. Her writing has appeared in publications such as Self, Redbook, Today's Parent, and she lives just outside Toronto with her family and a labradoodle named Fred. Marissa Stapley is a former magazine editor and New York Times bestselling author of Reese's book club pick Lucky, as well as international bestsellers Mating for Life, Things to Do When It's Raining, and The Last Resort. Many of her novels have been optioned for television and her journalism has appeared in The Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, Elle, Today's Parent, and Reader's Digest. She lives in Toronto with her family and a precocious black cat named Oscar. The Holiday Swap was their first novel writing together as Maggie Knox and is a Canadian bestseller. And their latest novel is The Christmas Treat, All I Want for Christmas, which um, I just devoured and loved very, very much. So it was really a treat to talk with Maggie Knox, aka Karma and Marissa, for this very special holiday episode of the Thriving Authors Podcast. I know you'll come away with so much inspiration from what they share about writing both um, individually and also collaboratively creating these novels. So I hope you enjoy and would love to hear your takeaways. Welcome to the podcast, Karma and Marissa. I am so excited to have you here. Um, writing as Maggie Knox, but I'm really excited to talk with both of you. You're only my second ever like writing duo that I've had on the podcast. And I'm just really excited to talk about your latest book, which I just devoured, um, and also your work that you do individually as well. So we have so much to dive into. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank yes. you. Maybe we could start off. I would just love to hear about, um, and you can just take turns kind of sharing how you fell in love with writing, how you started as a, as a writer. And then we can also get into the story of how you began writing together as a duo. But does one of you want to just kick us off and kind of share your story of falling in love with writing? <laughs> sure. Should I go first? Yeah. I, I am the author who 
uh, didn't want to be an author or, or didn't dream of being an author, I guess, until I feel like I fell into it sort of backwards. And I really wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be like Katie Couric of the North. And, and that was my goal. And then a variety of life events, which I won't even go into right now, but just led me to uh, journalism school where I did broadcasting, but I also did a lot of magazine writing while I was at school and really enjoyed that. So I started freelancing for magazines and then thought maybe I'll try writing longer form because it can't be that much harder. Um, it's so much harder, but it also <laughs> was so much more fun. And I just fell in love with writing fiction. And so I published my first novel at 40, 41. So I'm sort of new to, you know, it's like in this sort of second act of my life, um, this has been been my career, but it's been wonderful so far. A real joy. So I'm and so I, glad that you found your way to fiction because I just I love your fiction. Oh, thank you. I think I'm the opposite. I was always going to be a writer. I have writers in my family. And so kind of grew up hearing like every story I ever did. They were like, oh, you've got the writing gene. You're gonna be a writer. And I sort of kept thinking, well there's got to be something else I can do because my dad is a writer and, um, you know, it seems like a tough job to be a freelance writer and couldn't really think of anything else. So I did go to journalism school, same we both went to now called Met You in, in Toronto. Um, and then just kind of worked at newspapers, magazines, did a brief foray um, at a TV station doing media relations, but I always had it in my head that I wanted to write a novel and I was in my early thirties and thinking I really should do that. Uh, so I did and that novel didn't get published. So I wrote another one, didn't get published. And then my third novel did, I think we both have our practice novel. Yeah. Our third novel, I think is our first published novel for both of us. And I think it was 34 when my first novel came out. So it was a long, I think I around 30 decided to start the process, but I remember getting on this 35 over 35 list, or maybe I just turned 35 and I like, it's never too late. I'm like, are you serious? I'm 35. (laughs) So it was just, yeah, it was funny. But, um, but again, I mean, I don't, I have had moments where I've thought, oh boy, maybe I need to have a backup plan. And I can really never think of any backup plan other than to just figure out different ways to be a writer. And so I've just accepted it now. <laughs> yes, embraced it. <laughs> well, thank you both for sharing. I think that's so, um, it's just so normalizing to hear that I'm, I'm I'm the same way where my first published novel was not the first novel that I had written. And I think we we just often forget that. We see, um, especially if you're someone who's just starting writing, you see all these books on the bookshelf and you just assume that the first one that author ever wrote is the one that gets published and wins these awards and all of this. And so I just thank you for sharing that. I think it's really um, just, it's very inspiring and like normalizing to hear that part kind of behind the scenes. Um, So how did you meet and begin writing together? Did you meet at journalism school or how, how did that happen? No, we, and how we met, we can't, we don't have a good answer. Like we don't have a definitive <laughs> answer because uh-huh. a, a number of things happened and we 
there's a group of women writers in Toronto and Marissa was part of that group and invited me to a dinner when they were meeting. And because writing is so isolating and it's hard to find people to talk to because we spend so much time in our heads. And I think that it can be tricky with friendships and, and sorting that out. And so we, I went to this dinner and met everyone. And then we went to see um, Chris Cleave at Chris the North Cleave. Center together. Yes. That, that was, was our, our first like book date. And, I, and then, yeah. Sorry, Norma, I have to interrupt. I have this memory that came up on my phone the other day that I'd forgotten about where we went and we met at the chapters Indigo at Young and Eglinton. Do you remember? And we signed our books. I was signing yes. the read release of Mating for Life and you were signing um, the one, the very, very sad one, uh, Choices We Make. And oh. I remember that because I rode my bike all the way from High Park to Young and Eglinton, which was the first and only yeah. time I've ever done that. And I don't know how I survived it. I think I was trying to impress you because you're like super- That's far. It was went far. Yeah. I remember that, but I think I mixed it in with another- Yeah. We had then. a lot of first, like we just that, but it was like a process and then- and I think it took a, a long time for us to realize that we would ever write together. Like we both admired oh, yeah. our, the writing and then um, and then came up with this fun sort of madcap idea. And it's funny because our first novels were such a challenge, right? And we wrote them and tried and like led our souls onto pages to finally get published and then came up with this really fun idea for a holiday rom-com and feels like we just snapped our fingers and everyone was so excited and it was so easy like yeah. not a normal you know story like it was just sort of charmed and editors all over were excited they were all at that point locked in their New York apartments during the pandemic and and uh, wanting to feel holiday joy and, yeah. and I mean, I think it did, you know, it certainly does on the surface look like that book was easy to sell. It, it just happened very quickly and simply. But again, you know, if you go back and you were to look at all the things that we went through before we came to that place, mm -hmm. of course, it never is as simple as it looks. But certainly that was my easiest book experience, like to get a book deal and even to get it written, it just, it really just flowed. And mm -hmm. so I think that was in, we, we came up with the idea this time, like in 2019, it was mm -hmm. early December, late November. And then we told our group, our women's group, and then it had to happen because we had committed to other people. And then we told our agents and they loved it. And then all of a sudden we were writing Mm -hmm. a proposal and a hundred pages and then it sold. And then, you know, we wrote another one and here we are. Yeah. Well, and I love to what you're pointing out that it's like, there was so much, if you imagine an iceberg and then that's at the top, there's just so much beneath the surface that brought you to that point to be able, you know, to, to be able for it to come out in a way that felt easy or that felt charmed. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to hear about this, I guess, just the process of shifting from writing books solo to then co-writing together. You'd obviously admired each other's writing. Um, do you want to just give us a sense of like, just your working relationship, how you go about drafting a book together? Um, do you want to just share a little bit about that? I'm so curious. I think outlines are your 
savior, really. Mm-hmm. You can't, we always say that, right? You can't, if you're going to collaborate with someone, you, regardless of whether you in your private writing life are plotter or a pantser, as they say, you have got to plot out and outline the hell out of what you're doing with someone else. And that's not to say that you won't sometimes diverge from that path, but I think you've got to do a lot of planning in advance. And, um, and then that's, and the other thing is that makes it easier to divide it up, right? Whichever way we did it differently with both books. So if you're dividing chapters or you're dividing characters, but once you have that roadmap, you can start to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, I mean, I think for us, it's like button seat mm-hmm. with the outline. Um, these books were on tight deadlines because yeah we they they came out a year apart and for anyone who doesn't understand what the publishing journey looks like on the back end it takes a long time and so they like to have a book ready to go basically the author needs to be done their part really ideally a year ahead of time of when that book needs to come out and so we just and we had other projects going and it was covid and the pandemic and there was a lot happening um but we just did the work and split it up, you know, and stayed focused on what we were doing. So it was a, it was a, (laughs) it was fun, but it was also a a very focused effort for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think we sometimes think that fun and um, being focused can't coexist, but they certainly can. And I think especially with with writing, you can get into that zone where it is fun, but you are, you know, really focused on your project. Um, I think I read in, in my copy of All I Want for Christmas, there's a little interview with the two of you at the back. And um, it said that it's a secret of who wrote each character, but that you split up the characters. There are two main characters in All I Want for Christmas. And um, I just really enjoyed their dynamic so much and their voices. And I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about how you develop characters, because to me, they felt so um, just such whole people, even from the earliest chapters. Often when I'm reading, it takes me a while to kind of get into the voice of characters. But um, I was really impressed with with All I Want for Christmas. I just felt like I immediately knew these people. I cared about them. And so when I read that you kind of split them up, I was really interested in that. So is that something that you kind of collaborate on when you're outlining that you sort of together create these characters? Or do you want to just share a little bit about your process around that? Yeah. I think one thing that strengthened those characters was having to explain them to each other. Do you agree, Karma? Like you you don't just have to convince yourself. Like because we were splitting them up, the the person who was writing the other character had to have an understanding of what kind of interaction their character was going to be having with the other character. So we had to be really clear on like what Max or Sadie would say or do or react. And there were times when we'd have to like, have a little meeting and say, okay, this is, you need to know this about this character or he or she wouldn't do that, or this is something. So we had to get clear. I think that's a benefit of writing with someone is that you're almost like, you you can't just figure it out as you go along. So no, that's why it was clear at the beginning. Sometimes you're right. It's murky. Sometimes writers clearly haven't figured their character out until about mid book, but mm-hmm. they can't do that. No. And, and because we were we split the characters, we each took one, but the reality is it's a 
romance. And so they are spending most of their time with each other in every chapter. So you were always writing the other character as well. So you had to have, as Marissa said, a really clear sense to how the other character would react based on what was happening. Um, and I also just think experience. I mean, we, you know, this was my, All I Want for Christmas was my eighth book, I think, or seventh novel. So I've been developing characters for a while, um, in, in some cases in more complicated ways, because I didn't, ha I had to write the whole book, right? And there were multiple characters. But don't you think, Marissa, is just like the experience of having done it. There is a, a feel that you get. We can say we're pros now. I think we we can say that now. We did six and seven or seven whatever. books. Eight, but whatever it is, we're, you know. Enough that we've forgotten. Enough yeah. that we have that number right there. But yeah. It comes naturally, I think. And you know when you're on to something. And you know the things you need to know about a character. And, and maybe you can be more efficient in some things that you don't. Mm. So you can focus on the things that really matter. And I, yeah, I think. And we needed, we knew that we needed to figure out the motivations. Maybe that's also, there was so much talk of that. Like, what is, what are, why are they doing this? Why are they on this show? What is motivating them? And when you figure that out, you figure out a heck of a lot about your your yeah. character and your story. Yeah, I love that. I think that motivations, and then also with a romance too, it seems like there's also something for each of the characters that we see clearly as it goes on that's that's holding them back or that is, you know, preventing them from from love. So I felt like there's just the depth of your characters. And I just want to give a little plug. I know I have a lot of writers listening to the show. I think the way that you develop the minor characters in this book too. I mean, this is such a fun read, but it's also great to just kind of read it as a writer. There are so many minor characters that really leap off the page. Um, that it's just, it's really great to see how how you can um draw even minor characters so effectively, you know, in a short in a short space. Um, I also wanted to ask you about setting. So the book is set in Nashville, um, which is one of my favorite cities. My best friend lives there and I just always love visiting her. And I know that neither of you live in Nashville. And I wanted to ask just about, um, you really bring the setting to life. I almost feel like it's its own character in the book, um, both with the music scene and the different locations that they go to and um, just the themes of music and celebrity and all of that. So could you talk a little bit about, um, you know, research, how you decided to set it in Nashville, kind of how you're able to bring that to life, even during a pandemic when like a lot of people weren't able to travel? Yeah, we didn't travel. I, we, neither one of us has ever been to Nashville, actually. Oh my goodness. Sadly, we wanted to go, but but here in Canada, we were like locked down in a serious way for about a solid year. So no one was going anywhere. Um, but this is the benefit of Google, of friends, of um, acquaintances, other books. We love the show Nashville. So we liked the vibe. That was one of our reasons for wanting to set it there. We both love that show. And yeah, I don't know. Was it? We had, I mean, you have a good friend who, don't you have a friend who lives there? I th no, you're thinking about Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin, right. So, but we had a 
acquaintance who was going there and basically yeah. just said to her, "Your and she was going for Christmas. So I, I was like, can you send photos? And like, what's the Christmas vibe? And just doing what we could, even though, because at that point we needed to layer in details and it was kind yeah. of too late, right? <laughs> like, um, but yes, I honestly credit Nashville, the show with, giving yeah. me, I believe, is a very false impression of <laughs> what life in Nashville is really like, but it's yeah. what people want to read and experience. So it's super fun. Well, and I um, was talking about your book with my friend who lives there and she just had such a fun time reading it. I mean, it's, it's really, you feel like you get a sneak peek into the whole music culture um, there, which was so fun. Well, I also wanted to ask you, um, we're already getting, it's like time just flying by, but I wanted to ask you just about advice that you have for for writers this could be someone who maybe they are in like year three book three of submitting and they're having a hard time finding a publisher maybe they're midway through their career maybe they've never written anything before but they dream of it like just you both have um you know so many books under under your belt and have experienced success both as Maggie Knox and also individually and just thinking about I guess creating like a sustaining writing career you know something that you're able that makes you happy and that you know you feel filled up by like do you just have any kind of advice or words of wisdom for people who um who really want to be where you are I think one thing we both share is a a, a because we have books in a drawer now that haven't gotten published that we had to walk away from more than one. I think I often talk to aspiring writers or writers who are struggling and they're just like chipping away at this one project that's not working. Um, and both of us, like, since I've known you, Karma, I think before you wrote, before you settled on the idea for your next novel for what wild women do, uh, you started and put aside novels and, people need to be three, three times, right? People are not brave enough to do that um, because you think, oh my gosh, I've done all this work. But I think my best advice is like, no writing is ever wasted and don't be afraid to walk away from something that isn't working. And if you're having trouble and you're on submission and it's not working and you get the sense it's not working, that doesn't mean your whole dream is dead. You, you have to have the courage to try to start something new. Yeah. I would agree a hundred percent with that. I think that knowing when it's time to walk away and start something fresh. And like Marissa said, you know, sometimes you put those novels in a drawer, but interestingly for me, like I just pulled one out and I'm looking at what I might be able to do with it and shift it around and maybe nothing will come of it, but it is, I wrote that book 12 years ago. And so it's just it's probably never really dead if you are a creative person and the world changes and and how you see your writing changes. Um, but also then just the commitment of it. You know, I Marissa and I both have been very committed writers from the beginning. And that looks different for each of us and it looks different at, at different times, you know, of the year and in the different seasons. But it's a commitment to getting the words down. And then to day after day or week after week to just keep adding to that and to see where it goes. And like Marissa said, to have sort of the courage to fail sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, try again. So I think those go hand in hand so beautifully too. Like if you have that commitment, that you have that self-trust that you know you're going to keep showing up, I would think it makes you a little bit braver to be able to let go of a project that's not 
working, even if you have written thousands and thousands of words, because you know that you're going to show up again to work on this new idea. Yeah. Yeah. Creativity gets stuck sometimes and you have to put it aside and Mm -hmm. move on so that you can get the fresh ideas flowing, but it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. And it's not most of the time what people want to hear. Um, it's a, it's a tough truth, but it is, but, but you don't regret it. You're never like, oh, if only I hadn't abandoned that. You're all, I, to a person are always like, thank goodness I did that. Look where I am now. Look what happened with this. And yeah. That's really inspiring. Well, I just loved your book so much, but both of your books is Maggie Knox. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Where can listeners get more of you, um, read all of your books, all of that good stuff, sign up for your newsletter, all of that stuff. We have a Maggie Knox Instagram, which is, oh gosh, at Maggie Knox books, at Maggie Knox. No, it's at Maggie Knox author. author. At yeah. Maggie Knox author, sorry. I'll, I'll link to it too. <laughs> and then we're both on Instagram. Uh, with our own names, Marissa Stapley and Karma Brown. Karma K. Brown and Marissa Stapley, right? Yes. We do not have a newsletter. I'm sure. Do you think about it? I think about it all the time. And then I'm just like... No, I don't. I I stopped thinking. I got rid of my website. I'm going like a little more old school. So I'm not on Facebook. So if you ever trying to find me, Instagram is definitely... Because Twitter's a dumpster fire. So Instagram is the place for now. Well, I can't wait to read. I'm hoping that we'll have a new Christmas book for you maybe in the future, maybe next year or coming up soon because um, your past two books have been just such delights for both of my holiday seasons the past two years. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for spending time with me today. Please hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. And I would love for you to join me in my free Facebook group. It's called Book Breakthrough Community, and it's full of other heart-centered writers sharing resources and supporting each other. We discuss the podcast episodes. I regularly go live with free challenges, and you may even meet your new writing partner to swap pages with. Join us on Facebook at Book Breakthrough Community, and you can always reach out to me personally at Dallas Woodburn Author on Facebook and Instagram. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast and your ideas for new episodes. Until next time, happy writing.